Welcome to the Lloyd's List podcast. This is Enes Tunagur, Sustainability Editor at Lloyd's List. This is another in a special series of the podcast to be broadcast this week to introduce seven candidates who are standing up for the election of the position of Secretary General at the International Maritime Organization. The vote will take place on Tuesday, July 18th, and the winner will take up the top job at the IMO in a very crucial time for the organization's 70-year history. Today we meet Suat Ayriaka, who has a long career in shipping and who is Turkey's candidate. Welcome, Suat. Thank you. I I believe you're the only candidate that has a has a has some experience as a seafarer. Um, can you just tell tell us a bit more about yourself and maybe help us understand why you applied for this important role? Right. Well, thank you, thank you um, for the opportunity for this. Podcast. Yes, as you said, uh, I have a seafarer background. Actually, I have started my professional career as a seafarer, as an ocean deck, ocean going officer, on deck officer, uh, on board ships, ships of various types, bulk carriers, tankers, container ships, roller ships in early 80s. And I have actually completed my sea services um as an ocean going master uh, returning back to shipping business um, as senior executives in various shipping companies providing um, different shipping related services like ship management shipping operations sale and purchase of ships dry cargo chartering agency services some port services um, uh, maritime insurance matters various shipping related commercial activities for 15 years and then I was invited to return back to government. I was appointed as um, deputy undersecretary in the transport Ministry of Transport and Maritime Affairs of Turkey in 2006. I served um, as head of Turkish Maritime Authority and deputy undersecretary responsible for Maritime Affairs for 10 years. And that was actually that job was also including the aviation. Uh, I was also in the meantime responsible for aviation industry. And then in 2016, I was promoted as undersecretary of the Ministry of Transport and Maritime Affairs. That was a quite a large scope. The ministry was responsible for also the other modes of transportation, including IT and communications industry. So I was intensively involved in building giant transport infrastructures uh, such as roads, tunnels, bridges, seaports, marinas, airports, um, high-speed rail infrastructure, that kind of works. So after serving three years, for three years as undersecretary, I was assigned as ambassador to represent the country at the International Civil Aviation Organization, abbreviated to ICAO, based in Montreal. So it's been four years I have been representing my country at ICAO, and recently I was nominated as candidate for the post of Secretary General of IMO. We all know that the coming four years will be very crucial uh, in, uh, in shaping IMO's response to many challenges uh, that it include decarbonization, digitalization, uh, among many others. Um, how do you plan to find 
compromise in a very uh, divided uh, organization? Right. Well, that's that's not an easy question actually to to answer in a couple of minutes, but I'll try to summarize. Uh, yes, IMO has been facing um, certain challenges like decarbonization of the maritime industry, uh, which is a, a global expectation, an expectation of humanity from the maritime community, because climate change is a global threat and every single individual breathing in this planet should have certain responsibilities to cope with climate. So maritime industry, even though the share of maritime in, in, in grand total is less than 3% should probably not hesitate to do whatever falls to the part of maritime. So IMO, as the leading organization of the maritime industry, is responsibly, uh, responsible to coordinate this work. So that's not an easy task. Uh, uh, in comparison to, to the other industries, um, IMO was a little bit behind, but thanks to last MEPC 80 meetings where quite ambitious new decisions has been made and the existing uh, strategy, previous strategy has been revised uh, so that the uh, expectations of the humanity could hopefully be, be met in the future. Speaking of IMO, we know that IMO has been criticized quite often on its track record on transparency. and. What, what's your what's your plan to maybe tackle tackle this challenge? Do you, do you plan to op, open up the IMO further and then maybe open up some of it some of the IMO meetings to the general public? Uh, well, that's that's actually not only um, a challenge or um, difficulty that has been faced by IMO, but many other international organizations, perhaps UN. Uh, organizations or other international bodies, they all have similar problems, transparency, accountability, uh, uh, that kind of problems. Uh, personally, I am purely on the side of transparency, full transparency, certainly. Uh, that was something that I have actually also witnessed uh, during my campaign. Many member states were complaining that IMO was not transparent enough. But transparency has two dimensions. Um, first, uh, IMO and the Secretariat should be transparent. That's one dimension that could be governed or changed by the Secretary General or the staff of IMO. Then the other dimension of um, transparency is, is, as you said, opening up the meetings of IMO to public. And this is, um, this is something that has to be decided by the member states, because uh, member states are are discussing um, various policies actually, so they may not be they may not be willing to willing to share it with 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 these these their policies or discussions with the public. But personally, I believe we should also actually within IMO discuss with the member states whether we should be opening up all the meetings uh, to the public, all the but just opening up the meetings to the public doesn't actually ensure transparency. The secretariat has to be transferred. 
talking about uh, your action plan uh, for the next four or eight years. Um, can you can you explain your uh, action plan? In case being elected, I have uh, an action plan in mind when that consists of four stages. The first phase is, I call it diagnosis phases. Um, we are going to measure the and ascertain the skills and talents of the existing uh, staff uh, in order to see that if I am or was capable of meeting or serving the needs and expectations of the member states in case um, uh, through its, its staff and secretariat. And then um, conducting a comprehensive survey of needs and expectations of the member states. That's that's very important. I do emphasize this a lot because I am has 175 member states each at different level of development and each with different needs and expectations. So we have to know what is needs and expectations of the, uh, what are needs and expectations of member states one by one individually. To understand them perfectly, I am planning to conduct a comprehensive survey through the member states. That's diagnosis phase. Then the second phase, um, I call it preparation phase. Um, after understanding the needs and expectations of member states and ensuring the capabilities of the IMO staff, which in case necessary will be supported by uh, attracting new talents and skills, um, we will go for the implementation phase, preparation phase. We will revise, handle all the ongoing projects, programs, mechanisms, uh, whatever is handled pre presently by IMO. Perhaps we may need to cancel some of them. We may need to revise some of the projects, programs, mechanisms, or perhaps add the new ones. So this is preparation for the meeting, serving needs and expectations of member states. And the third stage, third phase is, is naturally implementation to be followed by the fourth stage as at every um, uh, well-organized institution, it, there should be a self-analysis uh, self, um, and result analysis and evaluation, evaluation stage. So my plan, uh, action plan for the first four years consists of four stages as I described. And to, to implement all these, uh, all the phases in your action plan, do, do, you, do you believe the IMO needs to have a, a bigger budget, and are you plan because it's quite secretive. We we have we don't have any information as a as a media as a media organization on IMO's budget. Do do you plan to make IMO more transparent on that point as well? Yes, certainly. While transparency uh, doesn't mean actually being transparent on the policies of member states, transparency by all means is needed. Uh, of course, transforming IMO into such an organization to serve the needs and expectations of member states may require an extra budget or additional uh, financial resources. But that doesn't mean that IMO should squeeze the neck of the member states and ask for extra budget to, 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 to realize such a transition, transformation. 
And there are many, many other ways of developing new or uh, find, gaining new, new resources, financial resources, uh, allocating resources. There are many other ways of it. So I should use all necessary tools in order to generate additional finance and resources. That could be true cooperation with the member states, true cooperation with the industry, with NGOs, with the other international bodies, organizations. So extra budget uh, could always be needed, but there are many ways of um, having it. So thank, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for giving this opportunity. Have a nice day.